Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're taking your calls and your questions and uh, wanting to hear from you. That's how the show works. And I am grateful to be a small part of all the big work that God's doing in your life and mine. Again, give me the call, 303-690-3000, or you can text me. I'm looking at the text line right now. There's nobody on the text line. It's dedicated for texts only, 720-336-0897. And um, we use the text to fill in the blanks when there's no calls. So I'd love to hear from you. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. All right. Let's see. What do we got here? What do we got here? Um, I just walked in, so let's look here. All right, nothing yet. 303-690-3000. Hey, we have, um, we have this series that we're doing on Sundays. Actually, we have weekend services here at Calvary Church, Saturday nights and Sunday morning. So Saturday at 6, Sunday morning at 8.45 and 10.45. We're back in person, by the way. I know because this program's uh, heard in many different states, your state or your church may not be back in person, but we're back in person, and we got a few restrictions and things going on, uh, but uh, we are uh, back in person, so I want to invite you, even tonight, to our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, it, it's our Acts 242 gathering, uh, where we are able to come together and have communion. You grab communion before you come in. Uh, we sing together. We study the Bible together. We <clears throat> uh, fellowship together. Fellowship's a little different in the building uh, right now, but we encourage fellowship. As soon as you walk out of the building, um, enjoy anything that you want to do. Uh, hug, talk. Um, for now, we still have some of those restrictions uh, in the building, and and we're expecting, you know, as we're as we're doing our part in cooperation, even whatever you believe and don't believe, as we're doing our our hope in cooperation um, with the surrounding government authorities, um, we are uh, knowing that when this thing passes, we can look back and say, ah, we were good stewards. Not only did we meet together, as the Bible dictates, and and even our own constitution uh, requires, doesn't it? It gives us the free exercise of religion um, and 
And yet, you know, when you think about it, just remember that every uh, church still ad- adheres to the laws of the land. Um, there are restrictions placed on churches. We, you know, for things like we had to make sure that our, uh, we had to put in a fire sprinkler system because the government told us to. We had to tap into the sewer because the government told us to. We have to make sure that our exit signs turn red and green because the government told us to. Uh, we, we have to pay royalties uh, on our music because it's the law of the land. Like There's a lot of things that we do in s- voluntary submission to the laws of the land. And, and some things that we do that the law doesn't require that we go above and beyond so that we can be above reproach. And, and so through this whole thing, you know, we, it, it's not okay to just stand up and say, oh, you can't tell us to do that, while at the same time we choose to follow other laws. It's a broad, there's a broadness about our application of obedience, and we want to be obedient, right? Um, and as you, um, as you follow through, uh, in your obedience, like we've been gathering together, and uh, we're going to continue to gather together. Isn't the Lord good? Uh, isn't He so faithful? And and so, in making some of the decisions, showing preference to one another, uh, we gather together, and we're just looking forward. You know, we got children's ministry starting up this Sunday at ten forty-five. So we've got information on our website. It's been very challenging, very hard, and I've been—I know you guys have been praying for us as pastors, but I've also been praying for you because it's been super challenging. There's so many things at play here that have everything to do, not only with our personal freedoms, but with our preferences, with our comfort and our ease, with just real things like handicaps and, and weaknesses um, you know, and difficulties, um, medical conditions. Um, and man, it's just been a multifaceted attack. And I pray for the body of Christ. I I read something too, and I want to share it with you. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. I reposted it uh, on my Twitter, uh, and the Twitter that I'm using is Calvary Church CO, Calvary Church CO, and uh, I have reposted that, uh, and it's a quote from Jim Cimbala. Uh, let me uh, let me see here. I lost it. Where are you? And Jim, Jim recently posted this, and I thought, man, I, my heart resonates with that. Um, it was in a recent teaching, and I quote, Many Christians are losing their testimony, their love, their peace, their joy, because they're fighting the wrong battle at the wrong time with the wrong army. They're fighting culture wars instead of fighting for Jesus and for the gospel. And I don't know what part you may agree or disagree with that, it seems like if you say anything, there's always agreement and disagreement, and I, I respect that. Uh, it's good for dialogue, but man, I, I can attend to this, and I could say pastors too. Many pastors are losing their testimony, their love, their peace, their joy, because we're fighting the wrong battle at the wrong time with the wrong army. And maybe you have a point of view on that. I'd love to hear it. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. We're going to start right here in Denver, Colorado, Garrett... Welcome to the program. Pastor Led. Hello. Hi. Hi, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a pretty interesting when you said that we're uh, 
fighting a spiritual battle on multiple levels because I'm yeah. currently going uh, uh, through a, a, a long distance re- re- uh, relationship. Okay. My uh, my uh, um, um, my fiance is in the Philippines, and uh, I guess a couple days ago she um, she saw someone else like my uh, uh, post of a scripture verse, which was another girl, and she got very jealous, and you know she changed her profile picture to just herself, and that really hurt. Sure. Um, and in the past, we've also gotten in a in major arguments too. Because I was uh, witnessing to an, another girl who was, you know, her her sexual preference, you know, was women, and uh, I I went out and had lunch with her and shared the gospel. It was really meaningful, and I told her, and she also got jealous. And I guess in her culture, you know, um, regardless of that, um, I guess it's seen as not um, men just don't go have lunch with women, and that's I guess just her problem she did she didn't see the fact that i was sharing the gospel and that was my intention and sure. it seems that the lord is calling me to ministry i don't know i don't know if one day i'll be in your shoes i really don't know but okay it it, it um where um uh, what's your take on it and what does it look like you know um for our relationship that that's going to potentially be a problem well, let's go back, and I, I don't have all the details right, but let me let me share with you as if I was your girlfriend and what she was trying to tell you. You ready? Yeah. I believe she was. She may not have been the best communicator in this, but what she was trying to tell you is that she felt disrespected by your personal ministry to another girl. And that as you move forward in a relationship, your relationship becomes more exclusive to one another and less inclusive of other um, people on an intimate level. Because having lunch with someone uh, alone has a form of intimacy for with it. And because she thought you guys had an exclusive relationship, she was expecting you to treat it more exclusively than you did. Okay. And of course, in marriage, uh, in marriage, that would be just a pretty, pretty absolute um, that you would want to be extremely communicative ahead of time and careful when uh, you were going out with people of the opposite sex. Um, it's okay. not a sin necessarily, right? I'm not, and certainly the Bible isn't calling having lunch with a person of the opposite sex a sin. Uh, however, we can do a lot of things that aren't sin that hurt people, um, that send the wrong message. And, you know, for me, in my role, I'm married as well, but I would not have, I would not have lunch alone with a woman that wasn't my wife or my daughter or my mom. Oh, okay. I wouldn't do it. Voluntarily. (laughs) I don't, I don't feel it's a burden. I don't feel like, um, but it would be out of respect for my wife. I would, I would not want to give the appearance of evil. I would not want to give the enemy an opportunity where my heart might be captured or I might say something wrong. I'm nothing. My I'm obviously marriage is the most exclusive relationship, but uh, in, in marriage I'm exclusive to my wife. And although you're not married yet in that relationship, you were more exclusive than just buddies, right? Yeah. And so because of that, I think that there were some expectations. And then when you don't answer, you're right, hun. You're right. Um, whatever your girlfriend's name is, um, you're right. I made a mistake, 
instead of saying, well, you know, she, she doesn't even like guys. Um, that doesn't help the discussion, right? Because you're missing the point. You didn't validate the pain. And that's our mistake as men, uh, just straight up, man. <laughs> our mistake yeah. is we don't validate the pain because we miss it. And then because we don't validate the pain because we missed it, perhaps not, not just the times we're jerks, but just like in normal, normal, just normal humanity. Then we start going off with our explanation and we're explaining something like we're explaining something to a hurting person that only is getting more angry. And then she responded with things that hurt you. And, you know, you could say, you know, that really hurt me. And she's like, well, you don't, you don't care about me. You know, you know how those round and round arguments go. Um, but the reality of ministry, like I, it wouldn't be, you know, if I went to, again, I'm talking marriage here, but I went to lunch with a woman and then Marie found out about it and she's mad and upset because I dishonored her and I disrespected her. And, and I go home and I go, but, but honey, it's just ministry. No, no, actually my ministry is to make sure that I know my wife and love my wife and I keep the bond of my marriage secure by making wise choices. So I think that's what your girlfriend's trying to tell you. Okay. Yeah. And uh, um, what's your take on the Facebook thing on um, this was an, another girl and she liked my post. That was our most recent argument and it was just the scripture. Um, is that pretty much the same thing? Should I unfriend that girl? Or? Okay. So, so here, I think that's a second thing. Okay. So that's a good, I'm glad that you followed up with that because that's a second thing. And the second thing is this. In this courtship process, when you're getting to know each other um, and understanding one another, if your girlfriend's first response to a like on a scripture like that is to be upset and flip out, that's a red flag Okay. in the relationship that you need to explore. And I don't know, was this an ex-girlfriend? No, no. Okay, so that's um, a good thing. Then. So to find out maybe there's some... There's a jealousy streak in this girl. And, and remember, your relationship in this dating time is to find out if you're compatible. And one of the things that happens when we start finding out we're not compatible, we ignore the warning signs. Okay. And you don't want to yeah. ignore the warning signs. Um, you know, that if, you, if, the solution was, if, if the solution from your girlfriend was to get off of Facebook or to unfriend every female on Facebook... Does that sound reasonable or unreasonable? No, yeah, that sounds pretty reasonable because it's not fair to anyone else to not see Scripture just because they're a woman. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't sound the most reasonable. However, you want to find out why. Has she been hurt before? Does she have trust issues? Was the last guy she was with, what, did they break up because of some girl on Facebook? Like, it could be a real reason behind it. And that's where these conversations need to come out. And through the conversations and prayer, you guys may find out you are compatible or you may find out you're not compatible. But if you don't talk about them reasonably, then you're definitely not compatible and it's time to move on. Yeah, I, I um, you know, I, I, I let her know in a loving way, you know, and um, that uh, I'm always going to put Christ first above feelings and... Um, and uh, um, she did, you know, think about that for a while, and and she did for uh, uh, she did forgive me, and and we seem to move on, move on from that. But this, uh, I'm seeing a trend here too. And that don't don't ignore the trend in in your loving care for this person. 
don't ignore the trend because if you do, uh, there is a good chance that you'll get into something that you will not, um, that you'll regret. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that. I Because um, I, I made it a point to her. I said, look at Pastor Ed's page. You know, I said, look at his page. There's multiple people that like his posts. But that's, yeah. that's, that's not entirely fair because I am not on Facebook. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, um, oh, well, your page. Yes. Yeah, so on my page, I don't, I don't read, I don't look at, I only post to it, and the staff here takes care of it for me. Um, however, like there, I don't have any relationships with people on like male or female follow me. I have no relationships with people, uh, outside of my marriage. Like I have no, my wife can read my Instagram. She can read my email. Um, we have a, just because the enemy loves to do things like I don't have any personal communication with females, um, that isn't, hey, this scripture, you know, if somebody emails me and says, send me the info on discipleship, I send in the information on discipleship. But, you know, I don't talk my, I don't talk emotions, feelings, personal stuff. It's just the Lord. Um, but Marie and I've been married 29 years too. Yeah, so. There's a lot of intimacy that's been, and trust that's been built up that if I do cross a line um, or I do hurt Marie, um, I need to back off that line and make sure I don't hurt her again. That's how that works. Okay. Okay, yeah, because you guys have been through a lot. Yes, sir, we have. More than most of us. (laughs) Yes, but God is faithful. And so, you know, again, back in these dating days, uh, don't ignore the red flags. Um, They're they're there for a a reason and a purpose. Okay. Yeah, I will definitely pray on that. And thank you, Pastor Ed. You're welcome. God bless you, brother. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. You know, I have to say, even though there is a, a nice radio answer, uh, it's not as thorough as it could be. So be careful, even as you're listening to me, those of you tuning in, that it's not as easy uh, as a quick radio answer, but it is good direction for him to pray. I like how he ended it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek wisdom. Uh, and 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 I just, I'm very, uh, I'm very encouraged that I know if I pray, God will lead me. I love that. I know he will. I know he will lead me and guide me, and he will help me with the hard decisions in my life, and he will also do that with you. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. I got a text question here, very interesting one. Never heard this before. Uh, So I like hearing questions I never heard before. Uh, I heard David Jeremiah say that David will be reigning next to Jesus as kind of a VP during the millennial period. Where in the Bible does it say this? I've never heard that before, ever, of all the times I've studied the scripture. So I looked it up, and I think a scripture that would reference this is in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 24. In Ezekiel 37, verse 24, it says, My servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. 
And from the prophecies of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, some have concluded that King David will be resurrected and installed like his co-regent, or as David Jeremiah mentioned, vice president over Israel, ruling the kingdom with Jesus Christ. Um, Now, I think Jeremiah and Ezekiel were giving a twofold prophecy in many ways, that the Jews would one day return to their own country, the yoke of slavery would be removed, the fellowship with God would be restored, and God would provide them a king of his choosing. Uh, in the king, though, would be capital K, speaking of the coming millennial period with Jesus Christ. Remember, David will be resurrected, like there will be a sense uh, at the beginning of the m- millennium, but so will all the Old Testament saints. There'll be a, a, a fresh reuniting, and David will want, be one of those who reign with Jesus in the kingdom, but the Bible speaks of believers ruling the nations in Revelation chapter 2, and even judging the world, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So I, I don't think that David will have like this co-regent, vice president role, but rather he will be a believer like the rest of us uh, and hold his own special place in the kingdom of God in terms of the Bema seat, but he won't be like a special assistant to Jesus. But I could see you know, in Ezekiel 37 how that can be interpreted that way. I just don't see it that way myself. 303-690-3000. So let's get back to the phone lines. And we have in, let's see, we are in Greeley. Crystal, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. You are on the air. Um, Okay, so I've been researching different religions lately, and I've learned about someone called the First Eve. Okay. Uh, her name is Lilith. And I'm, I'm just wondering more about her. Okay. Lilith is a creation of the modern radical feminist movement. Uh, and she is a, a mythical figure that has been laid before extra, what we would call extra biblical, means it's not in the Bible. There's no evidence for Lilith in the Bible. Uh, there is no uh, truth to her existence. And, you know, the way that Lilith is presented today, I'm not sure how you were introduced to her, but the way that she's presented today uh, is uh, of a woman refusing to submit to male headship or leadership. Uh, that um, would be a perfect example of a rebellious person that somehow God uh, approved of. And that we know from the biblical account that Adam and Eve were the first created human beings, the first marriage, and the two by which all of the population um, came from. No one preceded Eve with the exception of Adam. That would be my brief summary of that. Okay. How were you um, introduced to her or to the to, to Lilith? I I was hearing about her from feminist, but I was yeah. researching her more because I didn't want to take that as just face value. Yes, and I was I was learning and reading about that she was born from like, or created from the same dust as Adam, and that's why she didn't think that she should do everything he says. That they right. that she that they were exactly equal, and that that was why afterwards Eve was created from Adam instead of the same dust. 
one of the one of the teachings too when it, and and one of the teachings too that comes with Lilith is that what you're seeing in Genesis 1 is different than Genesis 2. Um, some claim that the woman mentioned in Genesis 1 was actually Lilith and the woman mentioned in Genesis 2 was actually Eve. But we know that Genesis 1 is a clear indication of the creation account, Genesis, or an overview of the creation account. Genesis 2 is a closer look, like it's a specific look into creation. It's not two different women. Okay. That's interesting. That's a, it's a great question. Um, so so let me, can I ask you a question, um, Greeley? You're not Greeley, you're in Greeley. Let me get back to my yeah. call screen. Crystal, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What is it? Are you, are you a believer? Like, are, are you a born again believer? Um, I don't have a set religion quite yet. I've just been recently studying religions. My oh, parents good. didn't have any. Um, so I'm just learning about them while I've been to college. And okay. my roommate is one of your followers, actually. She goes <laughs> to your church. So I've That's good. Hearing from her to this phone number and everything. Awesome. So, so what? Ca- so, so can I keep asking questions? Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. So, what captivates you, or at all, or even gives you a curiosity about Christianity? Um. Well, I started with like mythology and just general stories and movies that yes. I like. So, like animated movies about Christianity and things like that. And okay. I. People I know, it's like the number one religion, as far as I know. Okay, yes. Around people especially. So I've, I've just been researching all religions that I can find. You know, the neat thing about mythology and how you started with mythology is that the um, there was a time in the first century, you know, so so you know you have the Bible, right? The Bible is the uh, what we believe is God's literal words written down for us. And right. you have two parts to it. You have... What, what we commonly refer to the Old Testament, which was everything written prior to the time that Jesus Christ came to earth. And Jesus, you know, is a captivating character. The Bible speaks of him as being God in human flesh, which is amazing, which is amazing, which many of, of the mythologies of human beings, actually of humans, you know, because humans wrote mythology, um, have a similar thought process. Of, of mixing the eternal or the spiritual with the um, human and and so when you when you look at the Bible the Bible has to be if the Bible's not true then we can't accept it right that just straight up like if if the Bible's not true we can't we, we don't we not only are we not to accept it we're to reject it but if it is true then we really have to come to terms with what it says and there's a couple things the Bible says that that I would want you, if you would if you would do me a favor, if you would read a part of the Bible and then call me back with any questions, that would be awesome. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna assign you a section, and maybe your friend can help you to read the Gospel of John. Okay. That's in the New Testament part of the Bible. It's the fourth book of the Bible, and and the reason it was written is is exactly where you're at right now. The whole purpose of why John was written were for young women just like you that want to place your faith in someone. Because that's kind of why you're looking at things. You're looking for a truth. You're looking for truth. You're, I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious and learning about it and 
Uh, I'm just interested, even it just taking it as like a historical factor. Even yeah. it would, if you could, I would tell you this, if you would take the Bible as a historical fact, it mm-hmm. will change your life. It will change right. your life because if you take it as historical fact, just like if you took uh, the Constitution as a historical fact, which I think you do, right? Yeah. Then you need to, you, you would then have to believe in everything around it, wouldn't you? Yeah. So even if you, on the search to go, I want to make sure that the Bible historical fact, I commend you for that because it's going to lead you. And I'll just tell you right now where you're headed. The Bible will lead you to a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Not me, uh, not your roommate, but that person is Jesus Christ. And Jesus said something profound. He said that he was the only way and the only truth and the only life. And the only way to the Father and eternal life is through him. So please stay in touch. I want to talk to you and uh, I want to walk with you on this journey if you'd let me. Yeah, I don't see why not. Okay, talk to you later. Hey, you hear the music. We're coming up on the break. Pray for Crystal. What a journey she's on. How exciting. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to uh, Calvary Live. Glad you're with us this afternoon. 303-690-3000. Shout out to Hope FM, Truth FM, many other stations around the country. All of you guys online, maybe even listening from around the world, we're grateful that you've chosen to join us. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the host today. We're taking your calls and your questions. Uh, you can text me, like this text question, um, 720-336-0897. Um, hey, Pastor Ed, I heard that the Holy Spirit will no longer be on the earth after the rapture. If that's true, how will people be saved during the tribulation, or will they be saved at all during the tribulation? Great question. Um, the The... Holy Spirit, being God, is omnipresent. So in a real way, there's nowhere anywhere that the Holy Spirit isn't. What will be different after the rapture is that the Holy Spirit will be, the the role of the Holy Spirit on the earth will be different because the church will have been raptured into the presence of God. And because because of that, the Holy Spirit's work will be different, I believe, very similar to his work before the church as he brings people to conviction. Like, the work of the Holy Spirit has always been the same. Never uh, it, n- never, um, never has he been different except in relationship. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit came in a different relationship after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. We call that uh, different dispensations. The work of God has been different in dispensations, so the Great Tribulation will be another time period or dispensation of God. So don't think of the Holy Spirit just disappearing completely, no longer existing on the earth, but will be on the earth in a different role, uh, bringing people to salvation during the Great Tribulation period. That's absolutely uh, true. Um, Someone texted, Lilith was a character from Adam's first sight, but but that wasn't the question she was asking. I do appreciate that, um, but that that was not the question she was asking. Um, but thanks for 
um, reminding me of the lion, the writ, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Um, 303-690-3000. I'm going to get back to the phone lines. Uh, we are going over to Rick in Denver, Colorado. Rick, welcome to the program. Nice to, to talk to you. I love your show. Thanks, Rick. What's up? Um, when people are in unforgiveness now, do they can they lose their salvation? I don't believe they can lose their salvation, no. Okay. Okay. I just kind of wanted because it basically, you know, has, says that if you don't, you know, if you won't forgive, then the Father will not forgive you. Right. So what, yeah. So, so, kinda... so I don't believe anybody loses their salvation. So that's how I answered that question. When it comes to <laughs> forgiveness, a person that's unforgiving, that's that's like any that's like a person that's a, that's a drunkard. Um, the Bible says that drunkards won't inherit the kingdom of heaven either, and. So I always have a concern with people that live in sinful behavior of whether they're saved to begin with. Um, yeah. Is it yeah. true that believers don't forgive? Yes, it is true. Uh, is it true that there's seasons where you're angry and bitter? Yes, but there, that, that, doesn't, that, that's, that affects your relationship with God. It doesn't affect your salvation with God. Um, and, and so that idea of forgiveness, Jesus is saying, when he says that, he's saying that forgiveness is such a big issue that if you're an unforgiving person, you may not have ever experienced the forgiveness of my Father. It seems like it's one of the biggest problems out there. Is you know, it is. I've had my seasons. Hey, listen, I have had a season of unforgiveness in my heart. I, it, is, it is horrific. As a pastor, uh, uh, to, mm-hmm. to people that hurt our family deeply right after the death and during the de- coma and death of my son, I, I know what it's like to live with unforgiveness, and it's horrific. And it had absolutely no effect on the other person. It only ruined my heart. And the fastest I was able to sit down and look them in the eye and tell them I forgave them, um, it was release. It didn't, it didn't save the relationship, um, unfortunately, because they have chosen to go in a whole different direction in their life. But I'm free from it, and I could return to the pulpit uh, with, a, with a heart that has been cleansed by the Holy Spirit, and I'm not living in bitterness. Well, it, it seems like also when people are in unforgiveness, the person that they're not forgiving has power over them. And yes. Opposite. Yes. And uh, people don't realize that that you know you, if you're if you're your spouse or something, you're divorced or something like that. If they want to ruin your day, just make a quick phone call. That's the end of it. And you know they don't even have to do that. They like and and they I mean they don't even have to be present, do they? Um, you no. just have to have a thought of them, and it ruins your day. Yeah, and yeah, uh, no yeah. more. We we want to be captivated by the grace of God. We don't want to be captivated by the sins of others. And another thing I kind of wondered about, and I've kind of noticed is, um, it seems to me like when people, you know, when they're di- unforgiveness, you know, you know they're putting a, a a charge against them, that, you know, something that want to happen to them, and it almost seems like a, usually that's what is coming back upon them, what they're putting on somebody else. It's, it's very easy. Um, it's very easy to uh, what, um, not impose, but um, I mean, my, I just had a visit from a friend uh, that was sharing with me and project. People will project their difficulties on us. And it almost feel they kind of feel like we're right where they are. But in the reality, they're projecting past experiences when they have an opportunity for something fresh. Yep. 
Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, that, that's what I was wondering because I, I, it, you know, I, I, you know, it says that you know if you don't believe in him, you know, you, know, you should never die. But and I just kind of, kind of one of those things that's kind of it, it's such a big deal, um, and you know, with what that was said, I, I just wasn't quite sure on that. So, that's a great question. I, so, I do appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Now, bye bye. 303-690-3000. Forgiveness is a big issue. And those that are unwilling to forgive, you really got to check your heart. 303-690-3000. Up to Fort Collins, Colorado. Is it Jana? Hello? Hi. Is it Jana? Yes, Jana. Perfect. I guessed right. Welcome to the program. Thanks. Um, so I just had a question... More of just, I guess, um, I guess I'll give you the background first, and then I'll ask the question. That might help. Okay, great. um, So it's obviously an election year, and I'm not here to be political or anything. I'm an independent. So I just um, am kind of confused on things to do with claiming a party. Um, I was a Republican for a while, but there's a far extreme of the leftists and the uh, Republican side, and I just decided I'm not going to claim a party. I just wanted to kind of know biblically if it comes to it, because I'm I'm a, I follow Jesus. I don't follow a party. I don't follow anybody around me. I kind of uh, like to do my own thing, and I just really wanted to know, um, I know Jesus is represents love and there's so much to go with that and with everything going on in life now i don't see a lot of love going on sure and i just i don't know it's really hard for me to adapt to anything that is not of jesus and i see hatred on both sides for me and i don't have any preference on who i'm going to vote for at the moment and i always encourage people to vote but never to tell them who to vote for. And people have told me who to vote for, and I just have to pray about it. I have to leave it up to the Lord on what He wants me to do. Yes. And so biblically, I mean, what does it say about being politically in a party at all? I mean... The Bible says absolutely nothing about being in a political party at all. Okay. Um, It has no bearing Um, whatsoever on whether to be an independent, Republican, Democrat, doesn't have anything uh, to say about that topic in particular. However, the Bible does encourage you and me to be good citizens of the, of the country that we live in. Uh, to even to think about it, to be good citizens of the world on which we live. And, and I, do, I do appreciate your approach where you say, hey, I'm not telling you who to vote for, I'm telling you to pray or to consider it for yourself and make a decision that you can live with, right? And the, the good news about for us, you and me, is that we live in a, um, in a republic that has representative a form of government so that we have a choice, which is what, what that basically means is we have been given the choice of who governs us. Um, and that, that's, a pretty, pretty, that's a pretty important choice. Um, and any, even though it is part of the founding documents of our country, I think that God would want us to take advantage of the political avenues that have been given to us for the gospel, right? For To reflect our, our values, to reflect um, what's important to us. 
For example, remember when Paul... Are, are you familiar with the Bible at all? Um, yeah, I am to some extent. I'm not a scholar, but okay. yeah, I have So do you know it. Paul the Apostle? Have you heard of him before? Yes. So he's on his way uh, to be uh, killed um, by Rome. And, and along the way, he declares that he's a Roman citizen. And by him making that declaration, he, he was actually making a political statement to some degree. Because politically or, or legally, it was illegal to kill a Roman citizen. Like they, 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 they needed to, because he was a Roman citizen, they were going to give him his day in court, basically. He could have just been silent. He could have just taken the, the beatings, the whippings, whatever they're going to do to him. But instead, he, cl- he claimed his Roman citizenship. He goes, you're not going to kill a Roman, are you? Or beat a Roman. I forget his exact words. I'm paraphrasing. Um, and they go, oh, I didn't even know you were a Rome. We're, you know, if you want to go to Caesar, then Caesar you go. And, and so because of where he was born, uh, because of uh, his citizenship status, he used that, and this is, where, this is where the point I'm making that's so vital. He used that for the furtherance of the gospel. And we need to remember as followers of Jesus Christ that the gospel always comes first, it's always the middle, and it, it's always the last. As we're making decisions, we need to remember our responsibility to Jesus as ambassadors of the gospel. We're citizens of earth, yes, but we're citizens of heaven first. And priorities are very important. And is it okay? Because I think part of the question too, is it okay to be political? Yes. Is it okay to persuade people to your political persuasion? Yes. Is it okay to vote? Yes, we should. We should participate in government. Uh, And is it okay to be good citizens of the country in which we live, in the county that we live, and the answer to all of that, of course, those are all rhetorical questions. The answer is yes. Um, but I think the real, the, the, the important part is how do we do that? <laughs> and if we don't have the priority of the gospel, then it's all just wasted time anyways, right? Um, because, you know, what did you, what was your opinion 10 years ago? Um, maybe you know, maybe you don't know. But if your opinion was expressed for the sake of the gospel, you don't need to know because your priorities were in order. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I agree wholeheartedly with it because our, our views should change as we mature in Christ. Our, our views should change as we mature as people. And it really is important to me that we have a view of what Christ thinks of things. And it shouldn't be just because our party thinks this way, let's go with that. It should be, where's Jesus in this? And that's where we've lost lost it, I feel like, is that we're still focused on being politically correct, and I want to be biblically correct. Yes. And, you know, it's a challenge because we are opinionated, because we do get passionate about things. I mean, let's just take it out of politics for a second. I live in Denver, Colorado, and according to Denver, Colorado, actually, according to all of Colorado, there's only one sports team that matters. Um they're the Broncos, right? You're probably familiar with that. Yes. And so people get super passionate about the Broncos. They get passionate about the Rockies. They get passionate about the Avalanche. They get passionate about the Nuggets. Like we are passionate people. And when we have a cause, 
you know, we have a cause to, to get behind. We get passionate. And so sometimes our passion gets gets diverted from what's important. And I'll tell you, as a pastor, you know, because you asked the question, I'm glad you did. Um, as a pastor, I get I get sad sometimes that I see people passionate about all the wrong things. And if they could only harness that energy for the thing, and the problem is, is that they say that they're, like, whatever they're distracted, let's go back to politics. They're super passionate about politics, and that's what they're talking, and they're just all energy, and they're all fired up, and and, and they're convinced that that's a true gospel passion. And so it's hard to talk them out of it. It's not getting anybody saved. It's not spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. It is, it is toward the, the same end, though. You know, it is toward the same end, saving lives. Uh, it is got factors of, you know, being with the widows and the poor and, and being socially minded. It has the same characteristics of the gospel, and can even work in the back way, I think, in some ways. Um, but when you put your hope in a politician, and you only talk about the politician, and you kind of sprinkle Bible verses on it, I mean, that's like saying the Broncos were God's team. You know, like you can sprinkle. They do good. They do charity at Children's Hospital. They, they bring pleasure and happiness to a lot of people. Um, I guess we can make anything Christian if we want, but we don't want Christian. This is, this is, this is something I think we need to remember. We don't want to settle for Christianity. We want Christ. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all struggle with it. I don't speak as a as somebody that is judging anybody. I, I struggle with being passionate. I could be passionate about ministry. I could be passionate about the church. You know, I could be passionate uh, about things that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. But even though they have, they do involve Jesus, you know? So we, we're just so messed up as humans. Sin has so jacked us up. We just need the Lord. Absolutely. That's a great question. I appreciate you asking it and the way you asked it. Very good. All right. Well, thank you for um, thank you for that, and I just appreciate you taking my call. And I just wanted to call in because it just um, really was on my heart to ask it. Great question. Thanks for calling. Call again. Okay. Thanks. All right. Bye bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. All right, over to Denver again, Colorado. Denver, Patrick, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Uh, You're on my, the air. What's up? My question is, like, in the Bible, it's in, chapter, in, in the book of Mark, chapter 12, like verse 20. They speak about um, um, a man was married and then he didn't. He died, so they married seven brothers. So in the afterlife, they asked who who we should be married to, and Jesus says that you both you were mistaken. So my question is because I I thought it's the truth, and now um, a church group has come to my house, and I've been listening to them, and they say that that's not what what Jesus meant. You are able to marry, and I just want to know what's the truth in in. Or could I sort of make them believe what I already have been taught all my life? Okay, so let, let's deal with a couple. Let me give you a, a clearer passage. You ready? Um, well, it's probably similar. Uh, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, it says, At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. So there's no marriage in heaven. You were right. It couldn't be clearer. 
So the group that you have been meeting with, no doubt, uh, are probably uh, false teachers that go to door to door to try to influence you. Uh, If you have a group that's telling you there's marriage in heaven, they're probably the Mormons. Yes, sir. And the Mormons do not teach the truth. They're to be rejected. And it'll be almost impossible to convince them otherwise just from a door-to-door encounter. Uh, You have much more success developing friendships and relationships with Mormons um, in your everyday life and building trust. But those guys that go door-to-door, they're trained they're professionally trained to trip you up and confuse you so that you'll follow them. Um, but if you want to learn more about the false teachings of Mormons, let me give you an, uh, a recommendation of a book. You ready? Yes. It's called Reasoning from the Scriptures with Mormons. And it's the, the, the guy's name is Ron Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. And for a guy that comes to the door and says that, you know, the couple of the people and they invite you to their studies, um, showing them the scripture in the Bible will not do anything because they'll just explain it away. And then they'll take you somewhere else. Then they'll explain that one away. And then they'll take you somewhere else. And they'll so confuse you that you, you'll start to second guess. Um, you'll start. It's really a perfection of the technique called gaslighting. I don't know if you've ever heard of that phrase. Have you ever heard of gaslighting no, but- before? I wanted to say something is that uh, I, I haven't second-guessed yet, you know. And, okay, good. Uh, the, but, what you were saying to a previous um, caller was that to to look at the Bible as a historical fact, and that's a beautiful thing because that's what I've done all my life. Yes. Is, is I, I backed it up, and then I go to three more scriptures and back it up, and it always comes out true. There's never been a lie to me from— That's right. And now I can't, the Book of Mormon, I can't find nothing historical. I, I right. try to find what they're talking about, and none of it makes any sense because I've never heard it. But And now the other, like, I don't know what to call them, parishioners, they go, well, we're so glad you finally found the gospel. And I, and I get, like, very, that's right, second-guess myself, the gospel. What are they talking about? Which word's the gospel? The, the pro- but the problem, if you would just allow me to, to, to speak one truth into your life, the problem uh, that you're experiencing, Patrick, is that you've placed yourself in a position to continually have seeds of doubt sowed in your heart. That doesn't mean they're all taking root right now, but by presenting yourself to false teaching, you're being influenced. You're, you're strong right now, like you've been able to resist it, but I have to ask you, that. can I ask you a hard question? Go for it. Why in the world would you present yourself to these people? I just I wanted to find out why everybody called them a cult and why, since they were so like I, I try to see where where they their mind was compared to mine. Okay, and it was it was like every time we met was a perfect a beautiful um, session. The girl right. line I I thought they right. spoke the same thing, and they kept going and going. Well, I, I think that the environment, you know, the whole thing is set up. That, you know, I have to say many of the folks that are in um, in this Mormon false religion uh, are genuine, sincere, very nice people. Um, it's not of character. You know, my statements aren't to the character of the person. You know, you can be a very good person and still be deceived. And the Bible, like you've learned, has been 
uh, is very clearly accurate historically. If you went to Israel with us, we will take you into the Israel Museum. Uh, you will um, see the artifacts that validate. You will stand in the places that the Bible says are there. Like you will be there. You could put the dirt in your hands. You can pick up rocks near the area where uh, David and Gol- the Battle of David and Goliath took place. You'll be right there in the valley. We'll take you there. You can stand there. The Book of Mormon, as you found out, is historically inaccurate and biblically inaccurate, which therefore makes it spiritually inaccurate and to be rejected. Okay. Yeah. I think you'll learn a lot by that book, though. You know, that book Reading. will give you the same, it'll hit, take you to the same goal without all the, the temptations and the weirdness of some of the feelings. You know, you, here you are in a place of falsehood, but it felt good. And that's always a dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm just trying to, like, seek more of what I want to seek is more of God, but Good. not be tripped up by them, you know. And then when I bring up stuff that I don't I don't find right, they'll back it up, like you said. Yeah, because I, ha- you know, I know you haven't experienced this yet, but they're trained to confuse you. And, that's, and it's confusing. That's why, like, the God is not the author of confusion. Um, you, there won't be marriage in heaven. You won't have your own planet. You won't be your own God. You won't have, there won't be perpetual children that come from you and your spirit wife. It's, it's nonsense. Like they say Jesus was a proxy. He stood in our, our place for our sins. Yeah. He wasn't a proxy. He was a substitution. He is the substitutional atonement. He is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. A proxy is a very small word compared to um, an atoning substitute sacrifice on our behalf. He died for you and me. Correct, yes. But we can't can't stand in somebody's place. Like, say my my cousin didn't believe in Jesus. I can't stand in his place and and baptize him while he's dead. Absolutely not, because there's only one way to the Father, and it's not you. Praise God for that. It's not me. We all come into the throne room of grace where we find help in time of need. And it's only the blood of Jesus Christ. I got my daughter baptized at Calvary Chapel there. What's that, bro? I have my daughter baptized at Calvary Chapel. (laughs) What an honor. And um, I do attend Flatirons Church in Lafayette. Okay. Well, praise God. Thanks for calling, Patrick. Thank you, Pastor. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Well, we got time. I can take this call really quickly. Javier in Millican, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Javier, are you with us? You had a question about tarot cards coming into your house. Um, Get them out of your house. They're the medium to witchcraft. 303-690-3000. We see we have... Um, let's see. I might be able to take this, uh, Bree in Brighton, Colorado. I only have a minute. Um, so Bree, are you with me? Yep. I'm here. When the rapture occurs, what happens to your pets? Yeah. I don't know. You don't know. That's a good question. I think that, I think they stay on the earth. You do? I do because... I don't believe that um, animals are in the same category as humans, according to the scripture. And mm-hmm. 
And so because of that, they don't get special treatment by the blood of Jesus Christ. So they're just going to be left to die. They're going to be left to live the rest of their life, yeah. Now, let's because they, they're going to die anyway, right? So to say it that way is kind of hard, but animals don't live forever. Picture them like starving to death, or yeah, I don't think they're going to. I I don't think it's going to be like that. I think that there's the the rapture is a cataclysmic cataclysmic event, but for the next three and a half years, people live in prosperity. And so I don't think, I think that the same people that are advocating for animals today, besides, you know, the Humane Society, they're all going to be on TV still. They're all going to be soliciting money. They're all going to be caring for animals in that way. So I don't think, like the cataclysmic event, it'll be cleaned up. It'll, things will be get back in order. Christians will be blamed for things. But there'll still be people on the earth that, that are kind and moral and upright and love animals. I don't think in that case that it'll be as bad as you, as we might perceive it to be. Now, I used to, you know, the question, too, is, will our pets be in heaven with us? Um, you know, there are animals in heaven, right? Uh, I think, literally, Jesus comes back riding a horse. There are animals in heaven. And so mm-hmm. I can't really speak to whether they are or not. I know God loves us. I know he cares for us. I do know our experience in heaven will be different because Jesus will have a deeper meaning to us. Like, mm-hmm. he will be sufficient and satisfactory, whereas today he's not. Today, he's given us all things richly to enjoy. Uh, in heaven, he'll also give us things richly to enjoy. I don't know if we'll have a one-to-oneness with our pets, um, but perhaps on the new earth that we'll be able to enjoy pets once again okay. in living. So that's a good question. Maybe if you want to, if we want to, if you have follow-up, you can call back tomorrow and we could follow up and you think about it. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Bree. Hey, you hear the music. We're at church tonight, 7 o'clock. Come here in person or online, calvaryco.church. Very grateful to be a small part of the big work that God's doing in your life. For prayer and God's word.